and we'll get started tonight. We uh, are dealing with the seed and inheritance. And our inheritance in Christ. Really, and I say this, our inheritance is his inheritance. We are joint heirs, Paul writes, together with Christ. So if I don't know his inheritance, I don't know my inheritance. Really, if I don't know his life, I don't know my life. Because that's what Brother Jimmy was saying, know as you are known. Your life, Paul writes, is hid with Christ in God. Okay, That's where your life's at. When Christ, who is our life, according to the translation, shall appear, or be manifested, you shall be manifested or appear with him in glory. You appear as one with him as he appears. And this is an ongoing appearing of the Lord. It's not a, a just an event somewhere out here someday. It's an ongoing appearing of the Lord. As he appears, we come to know. Christ in that measure he appears in. And if he doesn't appear, then we don't know him. But see, he wants to appear. The thing, the thing we ought to know is God wants to richly bless. And in fact, he says he hath richly blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ that he already has. If somebody come to me naturally and said, hey, Wayne, I've given you all the things I have, all the natural wealth I've got, it's yours, and all you got to do is find them out. You, you've got all these lands, all these homes, all these farms, it's all yours. Just go find it out. Well, if we, if we listen to what Paul writes in the scripture, that's why he says you have been blessed with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now, as believers, it would make sense if we went and searched that out. Right? Because that's what you've been blessed with. All spiritual blessings. So, so if I've been given all the blessings of God in Christ, spiritual blessings of God in Christ, I'd like to know them. I don't want to just read about them in the Bible and say, okay, the Bible says this. I don't want that to be the end of it. The Bible says this. I want to know it. And to know it, I have to come to the living of his life. See, that ain't just what the Bible says. A lot of times, and I, and I know this because I've done it myself, okay? So, so you know things sometimes because when you do it yourself, you know it. We, when we come into a, a greater understanding, a deeper life understanding, we think it's about learning everything the Bible says accurately. That's what we think. 
If I could know everything the Bible says accurately, I'd have it all figured out. I ain't what Paul said in 1 Corinthians. He said, if I know all mystery and have not what? Charity. I'm nothing. But see, charity is a person. Okay? God is love. So, so, so the Bible is, I believe, the written word of God. I believe that with all my heart. I believe the Bible. I'm not, one, I'm not one of these guys that doubts the Bible. I believe it. I don't understand everything written, but I believe it. And I believe it's God breathed. I believe God ordained it. God said it. I believe that. Okay? So we take that off the page. But what I believe the Bible is declaring is a person the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, we did a series uh, some months ago or called The Person of the Gospel. And I'm, and I'm putting that out on uh, Facebook and out on uh, the podcast right now. And there's about, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 lessons. I don't know how many. And it deals with the person of the gospel. If you hear anything I say, that's what I'm trying to say. You're in relationship with a person. You're not in relationship with a book. Okay? I want to grab one of my Bibles off the shelf back here. Because when I say stuff like that, I like to hold the Bible. <laughs> I got a whole bunch of Bibles on my computer, but every now and then I like to just hold the Bible. I'm not in the relationship with this book. I love this book, okay? I love it with all my heart. I read it almost every day. So I advocate people to read the Bible. Strongly advocate for it. But my relationship is with the person this book is written about. That's my relationship. Because and, and let me explain this to you, and I'm, I'm going to try to get my lesson, but I, but I, this is where the Lord is speaking to me right now. The Bible says in John three, real simple. We all know this on this uh, in this group. Jesus said to Nicodemus, "You must be born again, or you must be born from above, or you must be born anew to see and to enter the kingdom of God." I can read that. In this book, I can read it every day. I can pick John 3 up and read it every day. But it doesn't mean I'm going to know anything real about being born again. I could have somebody come and splash water on my head or tell me to drink uh, some uh, a, a thing of grape juice or wine and tell me I've been born again. I've got the water in the spirit. And read it every day. I could go in and recite it every day. Would that make that real? No. It's the person. When, when the person of Christ comes into your heart, you're born again when he comes into your heart. You don't get a religion. You get the person. 
And the power of the person of Christ is he's God and he's just, he's everywhere. He comes into your heart. He lived in the earth as a man. He came as a man. He ascended into glory and he shows up. He shows up in your life. That's the power of the Lord Jesus. He's not a fictional character in a book. He's, he's the divine spirit of God that dwells in us. That's who he is. And so I searched the book because it's written of him. And he says, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. And he's speaking of the Old Testament. When he says that, I come in the volume of the book, it's written of me to do thy will, O God. I believe that's the book of Hebrews, but I believe he's declaring out of the Old Testament, he's coming in the volume of what the Old Testament says, it speaks of him. Okay. And he told the Jews who knew the scripture, many of them probably knew the scripture as good as us, as far as the Old Testament goes. He says, you search the scripture and you think you have life. But these testify of me. And see, the Apostle Paul didn't say God revealed the scripture in his heart. Galatians 2, turn to Galatians 2. I, like I said, I'll try to get my lesson. If the Lord doesn't move me there tonight, we'll, we'll do it the next time. I, I, what he was showing me in my lesson, I thought was phenomenal, but this is what I'm hearing in, in Galatians. I said two, I mean chapter one. It says, what? When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb to do what? Reveal his scripture in me. No. It doesn't say that. It says to reveal his son. Paul was separated from his mother's womb, which I believe was really the Jewish religion. May have been his literal mother too. But he tells you later in the book of Galatians how that the mother of Judaism, or the Jews, or, or Israel that's below, Jerusalem that's below, is the law. And he says here in verse 15, he says, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, here's what he called me by his grace to do, to reveal his son in me, that I might preach the scripture. No! that I might preach him. That's what Paul said. So when Paul goes in, into another place in, in the book of Corinthians, he said, I've determined to know nothing among you besides Jesus Christ and him crucified. So, so my heart as a minister you call me a pastor, a teacher, whatever, is Christ to be known. That's my heart. That's really my heart. 
the deepest part of my being is I want you to know Jesus Christ. And I do want you to accurately divide the scripture. I do want that. I want to. Because I believe it helps people. It helps people to have an understanding of their relationship with the Lord. But then they cut when they when they begin to see that understanding in the scripture, it doesn't end there because the understanding they they, they begin to see in the scripture is to be worked within their heart. And it's worked within our heart by the knowing of the person of the scripture. Because when we pray and when 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 we read, when we fellowship, the person shows up. That's who shows up, Jesus does. He flows out like a river. He comes like lightning. His voice is like thunder. And, you know, thunder gets your attention, right? So if, if it thunders and you're outside and you have a big, loud roar of thunder, all at once you're, you're paying attention. So when that voice is like thunder to your heart, what happens? You begin to pay attention. Because God's speaking to you. God's wanting to declare himself to you. What he wants to do. He wants to be in relationship. And see, see, Paul says in the book of Galatians, something else is just so powerful. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts. Crying, God, you're my father. Abba, Father, my Lord. So, so again, what Brother Jimmy said, to bring a awareness to our heart that you're a son of God, that he knows you in the son of God, that how he knows you is how he knows Jesus. Okay? Now, I believe God and Jesus are one, okay? But in the understanding of the truth in Christ, God knows you in Christ. That's how he knows you. And if we would ever know that, you're talking about manifestation. That, that you know that God knows you in Christ and you live in that? You're talking about glory. Man, that's glory. God knows you in Christ. He separated you from your mother's womb. He separated you from the old man. And he knows you in the son. the son of his love, the son of his glory, the son of his majesty. And that's what you find when you begin to look at the sure mercies of David. What was the big deal? And just briefly tonight, what was the big deal about David? When you go and you and we're, we've been reading in Acts 13, and I guess we'll have to delve further into this next week. We'll see. 
But in Acts 13, in the inheritance of the Lord, it says, men and brethren, verse 26, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you fears God, to you is the word of salvation sent. Now, now get a hold of that. <laughs> whosoever among you fears God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Whoever fears God. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every seventh day. See, here's what I was telling you. <laughs> you can read it every week. But the, the issue was they knew him not, nor did they know the voices of the prophets, which they read every seventh day. They have fulfilled them in condemning him. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher or the tomb. But God raised him from the dead. I love this. I can read this over and over again. But God, they put him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Get all that. They put him in the tomb. But God raised him from the dead, and he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are witnesses, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he have raised up Jesus again. As it is written in the second Psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore he said in another Psalm, because he's given him the sure mercies of David, he said in another Psalm, thou shalt not suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Then it goes on how David died. Now, another translation of this, I believe it amplified here, says, I ain't going to read the whole thing like I did last week. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Those blessings and mercies that were promised to him. We read last week Isaiah 55, and we read... 2 Samuel 7, okay? So in Isaiah 55, just to pull something out of this from last week, and then something out of 2 Samuel 7, and we're going to move on. He says there in verse 3, incline your ear and come unto me here, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Now, here's the way the Lord deals with me. What does, what does this mean? I'll have something here stick out. Okay. And I did as I was reading that, just stuck out. What it says in one of the Psalms, and I don't have, I think it's in one of the Psalms that David's seed is going to abide forever. One translation calls it his line, his lineage, his seed. Okay. 
Well, Christ is David's seed, and guess who else is? You are. So the lineage of him is everlasting. Now, how did that become sure? Was that through David after the flesh? No. That was through Christ. Because Christ is the seed that was promised that was going to set up on his throne and establish his kingdom, and his kingdom would have no end. Now, that's promised multiple times in the Scripture. That is part of the sure blessings or mercies of David. It's sure. You know why it's sure? One, it's sure because God said it. Okay? But if God said something and it wasn't complete, it'd still be hanging out here somewhere in the future. And a lot of people say that. Well, someday. No, no, no. Here's why, here's why sure, God said it, and Jesus did it. That's why sure. God said it. Now, Jesus is the eternal king. Ain't another king coming to Israel. He's the eternal king. God said this was going to happen. And when I look in Luke, I might read something in Samuel first. <laughs> I'm getting excited. <laughs> uh, praise the Lord. But when I look here in Luke, I said, I, I will read Samuel. He shall, verse 13, he shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I should have read right up above. It says, and when thy days are fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish his throne forever. He shall build the house, and I will establish his throne forever. How, how did he establish it forever? In that God raised him from the dead, never again to return to corruption. Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. That's how it's established forever. He went into the grave, God raised him from the dead. And he ascended on high, sat down at the right hand of God. Receiving, receiving as an inheritance, the promises made to David. Now, if I go to Luke 1, Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin pledged in marriage to a man named Joseph, who was of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel appeared to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. So the angel told her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, now let this 
hit you, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And I wrote in my notes, what was the big deal about David's throne? See, because that's how, that's how I get personally dealt with. When the, when the Lord says something about, I'll give you the throne of David, why didn't he say the throne of Solomon? Why didn't he say the throne of another? Why did he say the throne of David? <laughs> I'll give you the sure blessings of David. Why did he say that? Because God didn't say anything without a purpose. Well, here, it, it, last night, as I was pondering this, it immediately came up in my heart, what did David do? I, I wrote down a few things. He was chosen and anointed by God. He established Mount Zion. He brought all Israel together. He defeated the enemies of Israel. You can go on and on. He was a man after God's own heart. He had a desire to build God's house. But what, what leapt out at me, and like I said, I'm not going to read all these tonight. We may next week. We'll see. But what leapt out at me were, were some things like when Jesus comes on the scene, if you'll turn over to Matthew 12 and 22. And I've read this, but I've never linked it together till last night. Then, verse 22, Matthew 12, 22, I'll let you get there. I want you to read it. Then was one brought unto him, one, then was brought unto him, one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him. Insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw, and all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? Now, why did they say that when he healed the person vexed with the devil? This isn't the only place that happened. David defeated their enemies. Get a hold of this. If you go read the story of David, you'll find in the book of, I, I, I quoted the book, but you'll find in, in Samuel, David defeated the enemies. He brought Israel together, and he brought them together as in type and shadow as one new man. You're bone of my bone. They said uh, the, the leaders there with David in one place said, you're we're bone of your bone and flesh of your flesh. So they come in David as one man. Get a hold of this. This is back there in King David. And God says, I'm going to establish the sure mercies of David forever. I'm going to establish his throne forever. David takes them to Zion. David takes them to Jerusalem. David takes them to the high place of God. David destroys the enemies of Israel. I'm sitting there looking at that last night and considering it and thinking on it. 
and thinking, you know, what, what was the big deal about all those enemies of Israel? They were against the mind of God. Do you, I don't know that we get this. The, the ites, the Philistines, and, 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 I, and I know there's probably more to, the, more to this than what I'm telling you, but they were against the mind of God. They were against the purposes of God. They were warring against what God would establish. They were wanting to rule over, if we can hear it, the word of God. That's, there's, a, there's an answer to everything if we'll hear the Lord. And so I, I just hear that old song we used to sing, that I, and I believe Satan's kingdom has come down. But, but, but here when Jesus came on the, scene, on the scene here, and you see all these devils getting cast out, I could hear you singing, Satan, your kingdom's coming down. Because he's going in amongst them, and he's just laying hands on them, and and all, and it's just leaving them. Because he's establishing dominion, just like David did, and he's bringing people into a place in a relationship to where these enemies aren't warring against them anymore. To where they're they're living in Mount Zion, they're living in the goodness of the land of God. The high thought of God. And I see this fulfilled in Christ. When he comes on the scene, he begins to cast out devils. Their enemies are being destroyed. And he takes all enemies and gathers it up in himself and goes to the cross and crucifies it and raises from the dead. And when he raises from the dead, that's your salvation in that you're a new man is he raised from the dead. And back to what Brother Jimmy says, you are known as you are, you will know as you are known in him that's been raised out from the dead. Glory to God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So, so the kingdoms of this world have become, not becoming, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. Why? he raised from the dead. He overcome the world. Well, you can turn around and say, well, look at the world. Okay, I let, uh, why not look at Jesus instead of look at the world? Huh. Paul never said look at the world. He said, set your affection on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God, not on things on earth. You know, I get, and I do it myself, so I'm not trying to be just me. But I get with Christians, <laughs> and and if you get around me, and my wife can tell you, I'm, I, I I love politics. I've been around Washington D.C. most of my adult life, and I've known a lot of people down there in the city. Okay, so by by natural nature, <laughs> I'm around the political machine. Okay, by what I do for work, by so on and so forth, and I've done it for a long time, and so I get wrapped up in politics. I don't find Paul getting wrapped up in too many politics in his writings. Set your affection not on things on the earth, but on 
Christ, who's seated at the right hand of God. Why? Because through the church, the kingdom of God's coming and advancing in the earth. And the kingdom of God is not liberal. The kingdom of God is not conservative. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's what the kingdom of God is. And you can preach the kingdom of God to a liberal, and you can preach the kingdom of God to a conservative. But if you get into a conversation, and, and we and we many times become conservatives if we're Christian, if we and and I and I'm not for a lot of the liberal views, so so don't misunderstand me. I'm not condoning things. I don't believe in them. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And it's declaring what Christ has done into the earth. Because I'll guarantee you there are liberals and there are conservatives both who don't know him. And they're not out advancing the kingdom of God. They're out advancing their view. We should have a view of Jesus. <laughs> that should be our view. That should be our mind. And the advancing of the kingdom should be our goal. My Lord. Yes. Now, now you got more than what was in my notes. This wasn't in my notes. But this is, this is what it is. He defeated the enemy of our soul. Do we hear this? He crucified the flesh. He crucified the old man, and he raised us up in newness of life. The newness of life is not our old life made better. It's his life living in us and us living in him. So when my mind comes to the place that I think, and I don't mean just all I think about it, <laughs> I mean that my place of thinking, my place of consideration, my place of dwelling is Christ who dwells in me. That's what I'm talking about. My, my abode is Christ who dwells in me. Then, man, then that scripture Paul's talking about when Christ who is our life appears because he'll be appearing, I guarantee you. We will appear in the same place as one with him. That is salvation. That is glory. Living in union with the Lord Jesus. That's the throne of David. <laughs> the enemies defeated and a people living in Zion, people living in Jerusalem, a people living in the city of God. Yes. My Lord and my God, that's the salvation of the Lord. Not a little thing. It's a great thing. The greatness of the Lord Jesus is our salvation. The glory of the Lord Jesus. And, and I want you to if you will listen to this just for a moment. Now I'm going to stop here. Glory. What does it mean? Splendor is one of the, I believe one of the definitions of glory. 
And I said this once or twice before, but I'm making a point to throw it out here. I want you to consider it. In the natural, if you have a great quarterback, I'm sure there's men on this broadcast that love to watch football. I call it a broadcast in this meeting. And some of these great football players have a lot of glory of what they've done, their statistics, their Super Bowl wins, their touchdowns, their abilities. And we talk about their glory. One of the singers I used to listen to, he sang a song, Glory Days. And he would think about, he used to throw the fastball so fast. He used to do this. He used to do that. Those were the days of his glory, of his splendor. <laughs> Do we hear the splendor of the Lord Jesus? He raised out from the dead and defeated everything. That's the glory of the Lord. His splendor, everything that's done, accomplished in the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonders. The angels were crying, glory, glory, glory to him. All the earth is filled with his glory. Why? Because he forgave your sins. He cleansed you from sin. That's the glory of the Lord. He brought you into his life. That's the glory of the Lord. He gave you his divine spirit. He lives in you by his spirit. That's the glory of the Lord. He's given you his nature. That's the glory of the Lord. That's the work he's accomplished, that he would bring many sons unto glory. See, they saw David's glory, and David had defeated the Philistines. David had defeated the enemies of Israel. David was greater than Saul. He, he, he defeated so many more than Saul. You know the songs of David's glory, but do we sing the song of the glory of the Lord? Have we really seen what Jesus did? Do we really raise our hands and say, glory, glory, glory to you, Lord? You have defeated my enemies. You have made me one with you. Therefore, I cast my crown at your feet. Oh, because you're my crown of life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of the living God. I sat last night looking at this going, my Lord, the throne of David. The greatness of David. And see, David's just a type and shadow. Jesus ain't a type. But see, but see Israel lived in what David did. Think about it. I'm, I'm coming to a close. I know I've been a long time. Israel lived in the providence of David. They didn't have to war. When David defeated those enemies, you know, Solomon became the king and the land's at rest. And Solomon just speaks of fullness of God. When you, when you go and turn the pages and you start reading about Solomon, he's full of all the wisdom and all the sacrifices that Solomon is giving. What do you think that means? It's, it's showing the the greatness of the Lord's sacrifice. That's what that means. The, 
the unmeasurability of what the Lord did. That's what Solomon's declaring. And Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, what a greater than Solomon is here. So folks, what I'm telling you, we are to live in what he's done. Behold his glory. Well, I just feel the person and power of life. And I just pray that we all just see Jesus, Father, that we just see Jesus. That God, that your church all over the land would see you. They just turn their eyes and ask, Father, reveal yourself to us. Reveal your son in me. Reveal the living word of God. Reveal the spirit of life. Reveal your very own self, Father, to me. That's what I pray. That I might know you, Lord, and live in the goodness of your land. In Jesus' glorious name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God.